WDIY Lehigh Valley Public Radio presents Lehigh Valley Discourse. Provocative, informative, and newsworthy, Lehigh Valley Discourse brings you the people and the issues that move and shape our region here on WDIY. If it's six o'clock on a Thursday evening, that means Lehigh Valley Discourse here on WDIY, 88.1 FM, WDIY.org, and our WDIY app. I'm your host, John Pierce. Our engineer this evening, James Johnson, always ready at the controls. This evening's topic is mental illness slash mental health. With me for this half hour are representatives of NAMI, National Alliance on Mental Illness. Maggie Murphy, she is the executive director of NAMI Lehigh Valley, and Mark Fedorov, who is on the board of the local chapter of NAMI. Thank you. So it's National Alliance on Mental Illness the nation's largest grassroots mental health organization dedicated to building better lives for the millions of Americans affected by mental illness. Maggie Murphy has been the executive director of NAMI Lehigh Valley for five years. She's also certified NAMI Smarts for Advocacy trainer. Now, this is a new term to me, Maggie. What is that? It's a program that helps people tell their own stories of experience themselves living with mental illness or a family member living with mental illness to use it in advocacy, but particularly with legislators, so that they can craft a story and tie that to an ask. Interesting. Smarts for Advocacy Trainer. Prior to joining NAMI, Maggie spent 20 years in the hospice and palliative care field as a volunteer director and State Association Administrator. She also serves on the Board of Directors for Equilibrium, a therapeutic riding program in Nazareth. We're talking horses here, aren't we? We are indeed. There's a lot going on with therapeutic riding right now, and they're finding that it's very beneficial for people with a variety of diagnoses. And Maggie has some great pictures of her with with the horses. (laughs) And Maggie has lived in the Lehigh Valley since 2013. My other guest, Mark Fedorov, has been involved with NAMI since the 90s when his late mother suggested he go to a family support meeting to increase his understanding of the mental illness in his family. In fact, most folks, I think I don't know anyone connected to NAMI who doesn't have mental illness in the family. Well, about 20% of the population of the United States is affected by mental illness, either by having themselves or having a family member or a person living in their household with mental illness. It's a lot more common than people commonly think. I'm glad you mentioned uh, family members because that's a big emphasis with NAMI. Whereas a lot of times if we think the patient has some sort of illness, well, that's the patient's problem, but it does affect the whole family. Uh, Currently, Mark Fedorov is treasurer, chair of the Finance Committee, and a member of the Governance Committee. Previously was on Building and Grounds Committee, Investment Committee, and Development Committee. Wow. What a resume. I had some free time. You had some free time, yes. This sounds like a full-timer here. Mark is also a trained family support group leader, and we want to talk about that, Mm -hmm. Mark. 
the owner of White Dog Management, a small dynamic real estate company involved in development and management of apartment buildings in Northeast Pennsylvania. And you do that in your spare time, I take it. When I, I, I hire good people to help me out. Yeah, that. there you go. So we've talked a little bit about what NAMI is. It's a grassroots organization. I became involved with NAMI about 20 years ago. And again, mental illness in the family. And we looked up online uh, and found NAMI. So that was the beginning for me. Let's talk a little bit about uh, family to family. That, that program, because that's what drew me into NAMI. So Maggie, what is exactly Family to Family? Family to Family is an eight-week education course, and as you said, it's intended for family members of people who are living with a mental illness, because family can be so important in recovery. And at NAMI, we define family very broadly, not just biological family, but anyone who cares for someone who is living with a mental illness. And the course covers all aspects of mental illness, ranging from what a certain diagnosis might mean in terms of symptoms to communication with healthcare professionals, tips for resiliency, you know, everything someone might need. And a nice connection to that course is another program we have, which is family support. And those are the groups that Mark helps to facilitate. So currently we're doing this weekly for the entire Lehigh Valley. Um, it is a um, Zoom or in, we started back in person and bunch of people who have family members who have mental illnesses. We come and we talk and we help people through their problems. Usually when people come in as just dropping off their, their child, their child at the, at the, at the hospital, they have to deal with all the insurance, deal with psychiatrists, psychologists, but there's also the stigma. You really, when you have a child or a family member that has mental illness, you really don't have anyone to talk to to understand what you're going through. A lot of people will just say, well, have them buck up or, you know, don't worry, it will pass. And neither one of those approaches really work. So we get a bunch of people who have similar experiences. None of us are professional psychiatrists, psychologists. We're just all volunteers and all people who don't want to see other people go through the pain that we did. I, my journey with this started in 1985 when my brother had his first episode and I was 15. So I've been dealing, I'm older than 15 now. So <laughs> I've been dealing with this and it is painful. It is difficult. And I just want to, we have a group of people who want to help other people go through that as easy as possible. And it, when it first happened in your family, it had to be a shock for the whole family. Well, let's remember it was the eighties. So mm -hmm. attitudes were completely different. And, uh, you know, luckily my parents were progressive enough to say, hey, let's get my brother into a situa into a, a protective care. Let's get him have some help. And they were also smart enough to say, hey, his little brother might need some psychiatric help. So I talked to a therapist a couple times when I was 15 to deal with that. And that was incredibly helpful. And you're talking the 1980s. Mm -hmm. Well, NAMI as a national organization began in 1979. So it was a fledgling organization, uh, even when you were going through that with your brother mm -hmm. back in the 1980s. Well, I think you mentioned, Mark, that one out of five people in the U.S. Yes. is affected some way 
by mental illness? Either by mental having mental illness themselves or having a close relative or a housemate with mental illness. That is a huge number. Well, it's oh. it's the statement is that if you're going through this process, if you're going through these internal turmoils, you're not alone. There's lots of people who are walking around who have dealt with mental illness, and the, st- the society still has a stigma out here which says we shouldn't talk about it. And that's just the wrong approach. Talking about things, how you feel, potential potential actions you can take, things that you know you can't do, discussing that just makes you feel so much better and allows you to put together a path to help your loved one. And many times we, we define a person's mental illness by a diagnosis. The person may have schizophrenia, the person may have bipolar disorder, anxiety disorder, and so on. And I have been in meetings where you had a mix of people with a diagnosis and people without, and mostly I could not tell the difference. Now that's, that's something, that if you're not familiar with this business of, of mental illness and what it does, you re- there, there's a gradation. There are some people who are extremely ill and others who are just, it's sort of like the COVID-19. They talk about you could be very seriously ill or you could just have a few symptoms. Mm -hmm. And so that has been interesting to me. And what would happen is that, that people would be talking in the meeting and later on I would hear, oh, that person has a diagnosis of blank. It's definitely a spectrum, as you're referring to, and there's, you also have to realize that though uh, mental illness may, is a medical illness, that there are environmental triggers. So people going through stress, people going through a tough part of their lives, not getting enough sleep, not eating correctly, things like that can be an external trigger which will reinforce or, or have the mental illness show more. And other people also are on medications and they can keep in control. Everyone has a struggle going on between their ears, and some people are better at it, some people are not good at it, and also things that happen around you cause more more of a stress. But with time, training, medication at times, exercise is always good, making sure that you're taking care of yourself, people can have it under control, and as you say, it's hardly noticeable. But it still should be respected. I think that's a really important point, because treatment does work. We are so fortunate now that we have so many different treatments that can be called on. And as Mark said, you know, with the addition of wellness activities, with taking advantage of support and education like that that NAMI offers, you know, people can live very successfully and very happily with a mental illness. Wonderful. There's something about schizophrenia that comes to mind. The main symptom is hearing voices. Mm-hmm. And It used to be that the idea from psychiatrist's point of view was we need to get rid of the voices because that's that's putting these people into a a bad situation. Then they changed at some point and said, wait a minute, the voices in many cases are these people's friends. Let's just change our policy and go toward living the best you can with the voices. And understanding that the voices are not some someone telling you what to do. Understanding that the voices are suggestions. The voices are similar to your friends or your conscience. It's something that you have to understand will be there. A lot of that has to do with medications that people can take. And to eliminate the voices, you might be a little less, more comatose. So they probably wanted to uh, reduce the amount of medications and learn how to live with it 
and change your emotional stance. We're talking about mental health, mental illness here. Uh, the organization is NAMI, National Alliance on Mental Illness, and we have the privilege in the Lehigh Valley of having a local chapter. We know the COVID pandemic has affected many people's mental health, and there has been a lot of coverage about the mental health impact on medical providers. Are there other ways COVID has had an impact on mental health, Maggie? Sure. We can see from a variety of studies how many more people are experiencing anxiety and depression as a result of COVID and all that it brings with it, the losses, the unknowns. And it's had a particular impact on youth. So many children have had their routines disrupted by not being able to be in school live, and they've had that support system that often comes not only from their parents, but from coaches, teachers, guidance counselors, and others. So it's really been tough on them. And personal caregivers who are now trying to care for children at home when they're very often working from home and have both children and often older people in their family that they're caring for. So they have that added burden, and again, without supports that they might be able to draw on. So COVID has raised its ugly head, and we have something else that we want to talk about when we come back from our break. We're going to talk about the S word, and I mean stigma. How does that come into play with mental illnesses. Maggie Murphy and Mark Federoff, my guests this evening from NAMI, National Alliance on Mental Illness. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. You're the one that we want to join us for a WDIY movie sing-along night at the Emmaus Theater. This is DJ Jimmy James, your host of Blue Moon Cruisin', and I'll be your MC as we take a trip back to the 1950s with the classic film Grease. Saturday, November 6th at 8 p.m. at the Emmaus Theater. Tickets are $12 in advance and $15 at the door, hip cats and kittens. So get your tickets today at WDIY.org, baby! And we're back on Lehigh Valley Discourse, WDIY 88.1 FM, WDIY.org, and our WDIY app. I'm John Pierce, your host. NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, started as a small group of families gathered around a kitchen table in 1979 and has blossomed into the nation's leading voice on mental health. Today, it's an alliance of more than 600 local affiliates, and we have the privilege here in the Lehigh Valley of having one of those affiliates and 48 state organizations. In other words, it is huge now. That's our topic right now for this half hour. Maggie Murphy and Mark Federoff talking about their involvement with NAMI here in the Lehigh Valley. I mentioned the S-word stigma. So how does that play into people dealing with mental illness in the family? There are really two kinds of stigma. One is self-stigma. People unfortunately feel shame about living with a mental illness. And that is the primary reason that people do not seek treatment. 
The other kind of stigma is stigma that comes from everyone else, external stigma. And that can have an impact on relationships, on employment, on housing. And, you know, it just interferes in so many ways that it's something that at NAMI we're working really hard to get rid of. And, Mark, I'm sure you have something to add to that. Well, a lot of parents who, and as we as we mentioned off air, most people have their first episode of mental illness in between 17 and 24 years old, or 18 and 24 years old, which is you're talking about post high school, early college, that type that type years. So you're still under more or less your parents' care, and a lot of parents will see this and they really won't won't know what to do. They immediately you think about the mental the stigma of mental illness. Is this my fault as a parent? Did I raise my kid wrong? You know, did I allow something to happen to my child which made this happen? And that brings a lot of guilt onto yourself. And let's be honest, that just need, that guilt needs, needs to be shed. You cannot go forward with that. You just need to think about what the problem is with your child and go forward. St- but stigma is still out there. Stigma is there on TV shows, in movies, in general society, on social media. We can hit that later. But there is so many things going on, and it just is going to take every individual person just to say, the stigma doesn't matter. I need to work on what hap- what's happening to my family, and I need to also support my friends who have the same problem. And often it's said uh, in these circles that uh, if somebody gets cancer, nowadays there's no feeling of stigma. It used mm-hmm. to be. A mm-hmm. hundred years ago, people would not want to mention the C word, and now we've come to the point where it's not anybody's fault. It's something that's happened to your body. Thirty well, years ago, it was AIDS, exactly. and so we just need we just need to be able to say ten t- ten years from now. Well, fifteen years ago, it was mental illness. So it needs to be something that we are fine talking about. It's not contagious. It's not. It's n- you're not going to catch it if you talk to your kids about mental illness. They will not get a mental illness. If oh, you talk shit. to them against about suicide, they will not commit suicide. But you need to discuss things, and if you if you're talking to your children, you need to listen to them and find out what they need to say, and let them talk. If they want to talk to a psychiatrist or a psychologist, that's completely normal nowadays, and that's fine. You have to realize that you, as a parent, as a relate, you have a relationship with a child, and let's face it, all relationships have baggage, even a relationship you with your child. So having them talk to a third party, a licensed therapist, psychiatrist, social worker, clergy, whatever you want, is a healthy thing, and it's going to help your child more than you can think about. Amen. You mentioned psychiatrists. There's been a problem trying to get an appointment with a psychiatrist in a timely manner. Is that an ongoing problem? It is. We're hearing from people who call our office that it's, it can be a six-month wait right now oh, for an appointment with a psychiatrist, and that's if you can find a psychiatrist who's taking on new patients, uh, which makes not that NAMI is in any way trying to replace professional providers. That's not what we do, but it makes that support even more important so that people can understand some of the alternatives. For example, very often people can talk to their primary care provider um, and that can start the process. That provider can either make a referral or sometimes they're comfortable if someone's experiencing something like depression for the first time prescribing a low-dose antidepressant and encouraging them to take advantage of some of the other wellness activities that we talked about earlier. Some psychiatrists are now working with physician assistants or certified 
nurses who have been specially trained in mental health, and those people can see patients and prescribe under the psychiatrist's license. So that's helpful, too, in getting people in sooner. We're also, in terms of people who, especially young people, because as Mark said, so many symptoms begin when someone is a teenager or a young adult. Um, both the Lehigh County and Northampton County mental health programs have what we're calling first episode psychosis programs, so that they will see young people or someone of any age who's experiencing those symptoms for the first time, and they can help with managing them. Well said. And another benefit of COVID is actually quite a lot of the insurance companies are allowing um, you to talk to a therapist via Zoom without any deductible. So look yeah. into your own healthcare insurance and you might be able to talk to a therapist without any charge. That's right. We talked about some of the negative effects of COVID, but in terms of mental health, there were a couple of positives. And one is exactly that. Not only are the insurance companies making it available, but it works it's shown to be just as effective mm -hmm. as an in-person appointment. And COVID has actually lessened the stigma around mental illness because so many more people are experiencing anxiety and depression and realizing that this is not something that happens to other people. It can affect anyone. And so they're understanding that it's not a character flaw or a weakness, this is an illness. And Maggie, you mentioned uh, going to a family physician for starters, and particularly if you cannot get an appointment right away with a psychiatrist, 70% of antipsychotic drugs are prescribed by GPs who are not psychiatrists, right? To me, an a, a stunning number, but once you are an MD, you can prescribe any drug that's legal. So many times, help starts with the family physician, with a psychologist perhaps, and so on. Mark, you mentioned social media. Yes. Ooh, it's becoming an ugly word now nowadays. Well, I think in, it is becoming an ugly word, but I think in terms of this discussion tonight, social media does something to teenagers, young adults, even older adults. Um, it, it contributes to depression and anxiety, especially when, when the uh, high school students or, middle, or middle, uh, middle school students are at home. They don't see their friends. They're only seeing them on social media. And the kids don't realize that that picture on Snapchat was one minute of their 24-hour lives of their friend, which maybe show them in a great light and has a f cool filter on it. But your child may be looking at their own life and saying, well, I'm sitting in here on the couch not doing anything. They feel bad that they have the perception that other people are having a better life than they are, when really it's, they have one good picture. It, it's, not a, it's, it's something that adults really need to talk to their children about, about saying, this is, uh, this is not how everyone's life is. You need to ignore social media in terms of uh, feeding your depression or your anxiety about how your life is not as good as anyone else's. Everyone's life is determined by their own by their own standards and by what they do, and you can, and you should be able to judge by yourself, not in comparison to a cool Snapchat chat photo. Yes, and uh, in, during the teen years, we all want to be part of the group. We want to be accepted by others. The pressure is a real thing, so that contributes to problems with mental illness many times. 
What are signs and symptoms that someone might be struggling with anxiety or depression? Some of them, of course, can be really obvious. Someone can just seem to be very sad or very nervous. But there are a lot of other things that can happen, um, including changes in sleeping, sleeping much more than somebody is used to, or sleeping much less. Eating patterns can change. Uh, there can be physical manifestations, headaches, stomach aches, for example. Uh, risky behavior is another one that people often engage in when they're struggling. Wow. Oh. And if, if we know someone who seems to be struggling, what's the best way to help? The best way to help for those of us who are family and friends is to help someone get the treatment that they need. We're not going to fix the problem. We want to help somebody get the supports that are going to be beneficial to them. And one of the ways we can do that is by starting a conversation with some of the specifics that we might have observed. For example, if you say to someone, you know, what's wrong with you? What's the answer that you're likely to get? Nothing. What's wrong with you? Yeah, right. but, if you <laughs> but if you say, gee, you know, I've noticed that you're sleeping a lot more than you used to, or I've noticed that you don't enjoy music in the way that you used to, you know, is everything okay with you? Then that's a non-threatening approach, and it opens the door to more discussion, which can be particularly important with parents and youth. And, and I, I have two kids who I won't mention on there because they'll kill me. Um, <laughs> they better be listening right now, Mark. <laughs> but what I can say is that it's a very easy default as a parent to say, well, when I was a kid, I did this, this, this. You have to refrain from doing that. You have to ask the question in a non-threatening manner to extract information and to have your child talk. And then you have to listen. And then there'll be a pause in the conversation and think about what they just said. Respond to what they said, not what you're thinking. Have them talk more. And, you know, as I said, this may take a couple dozen car rides for you to get this conversation across. But it's important that you find out what, what they say. Listen to them. If you, have, if you have trouble responding, try the trick of saying to them, what they just told you in your words. Saying, for example, I heard you say you're anxious about this, 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 and that you don't know why this person did that. Is that what you said? And that will start the conversation in a more productive manner from their perspective. Great idea. So folks out there, one thing that they, they can do to start getting some help if they notice something going on in the family is to get in touch with NAMI. If someone wants to get in touch with you all, well, what's the best way, Maggie? Best way is to either call our office, 610-882-2102, or to email us at info at nami-lv.org, or they can look at our website, nami-lv.org, and our website has a wealth of resources. Uh, it's under construction right now, so people should keep going back and looking at it for new information. But it has resources about things that are related to mental illness, like housing, employment, drug and alcohol use, that people can also explore there. Wow, you're mentioning problems out there in society, and many people who do not suffer from a mental illness are having problems with the abuse. We're talking about illegal drugs mm -hmm. and alcohol 
and housing being a problem, transportation being a problem. We hear that frequently too. Let's remind the listeners in the last minute or so that we have that NAMI provides both educational courses and support courses. Would you call a support a course, Mark? Some people do learn a lot, if that's what you're referring to, but we prefer to have it just as a group where everyone comes around and talks and we support each other. You learn a lot, you teach a lot, it's it's a good place to go to. And and you you're doing that weekly. We're doing that weekly. First week first Wednesday of the month, we are live in our Bethlehem offices at 802 West Broad Street. The all the other Wednesdays of the month, we're on Zoom, and if you go to our website www.nami-lv.org, you can find our schedule and the link there. Right. And it's all free. It's all free. It's all yeah, free. Great point. And we also have, in addition to the family programs, we have the same support groups and the same education programs for individuals who are living with a mental illness. We also do a lot of community outreach. We have a program called Ending the Silence for middle and high schools. We have a fairly new effort called FaithNet, working with faith communities to welcome people with mental illness into their communities. We have In Our Own Voice, where people who are living with mental illness tell their own experiences and their journey to recovery. We have NAMI on campus for college ages. So we have a number of ways to go into the community. Absolutely. Well, our time is up. For today, I want to thank Maggie Murphy, who is the executive director of NAMI in the Lehigh Valley, and Mark Federoff, board member, who has been involved with NAMI since the 90s. Let's give a shout out, Maggie, to your right-hand gal, (laughs) who I hope is listening at this point. I have a hunch that she is. (laughs) I think she may be. Kelly Joseph, our operations and outreach manager. Yes. And let me say that I've seen both of you in action, and it's a terrific duo. So this is Lehigh Valley Discourse. I'm John Pierce, your host. I want to thank James Johnson for doing his great work on the board. And until we meet again, remember to be gentle with your neighbor. <laughs>